Hello, my name is Erica Lorenz, and I am honored to be your host for another season of the Adoptee Voyages podcast. Adoptee Voyages serves and supports transracial adoptees with healing conversations that inform and encourage our listeners through the power of shared experience. This season, all episodes focus on adoptees who have decided to explore their first culture. Each Wednesday brings a new story and journey, so find a comfy seat and settle in as we hear this Adoptee's Voyage. Hi, Adoptee Voyages listeners. It's me, Erica. Welcome back for another episode. Again, this season, we are talking a lot about engaging with our first culture. So before we start on that topic, I want to introduce our guest for the week. Her name is Alexis Bartlett. She is a adoptee from South Korea, but she was actually raised in Australia, which is awesome. Having an adoptee on the podcast who was raised in a different country than the United States. She now resides in the U.S. though. She moved here in 2016 with her husband and her son. And I'm just super excited to have her on this episode. So Alexis, would you like to say hello? Hi. Um, it's, it's really nice to be here. I feel very honored. And yeah, pretty much everything that you said. Yeah, awesome. No, it's all good. Well, welcome to the podcast. And like I said to the listeners, we're talking about engaging or interacting with our first culture. And you and I have talked offline a little bit about your experience. So to give the listeners a little bit of background, for those of us like myself who maybe haven't been to Australia just yet, um, could you maybe talk a little bit about the culture and the community that you were raised in? So, well, I guess. I'll first mention that, and I don't know if this makes a big difference, but we, my family and I moved to the Bay Area, mm. um, so we're over in California, and it is really, really similar to Australia, so thankfully we didn't, there wasn't a lot of culture shock in moving here, Yeah, which which was great. I, I guess there's just more people, <laughs> that's yeah. one noticeable difference, yes. but um, I grew up in a very upper middle class area I'd say predominantly it was white people Mm. there were other Asian families most of them I would have said were Chinese okay there were oh there were quite a few like Filipino families Mm. as well barely any Koreans though I think I might might have come across maybe two or three other Korean people growing Mm. up and that's that's pretty much it I mean I was raised white pretty much yeah Uh, and that was always hard to get my head around so yeah so in your experience being raised in a community where you're seeing a lot of white faces around you did you want to seek out other people that were from your home country or not not as a kid I think I grew up because there was nobody else Hmm. that looked like me around I grew up feeling very ashamed Hmm. um of my background my history I got told that my own background wasn't my Korean background that my background was my adoptive Hmm. family in inverted commas even though I'd sit there and be like well (laughs) that's not really where I come from um so there was never any acknowledgement for my background my history um so I always felt like a huge part of me just went completely unacknowledged. 
Hmm. Um, which has done a huge number on my mental health now. So no, I, I never wanted to seek it out because I felt so ashamed. I felt so ashamed every time I looked in the mirror and hmm. you know, I, I didn't see um what I was being told I was. So it was really confusing and it just made me kind of just hate the way I looked. So I definitely didn't want to have anything to do with anybody else that, you know, looked like me or was from prayer or anything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it it sounds like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like your family unit wasn't necessarily encouraging you to seek it out or embrace your no I think there might have been two times that I remember that my mom Hmm. maybe said something but the way she says things is very like it made me feel ashamed like Hmm. it was never like said in a warm inviting way it was always kind of in a sort of passive aggressive way that would just make me feel even worse so Hmm. I'd be like well no why would I want to do this if I feel terrible for it. It was always, you know, it was always me. It was always if I wanted to, you know, do this. It would never have been a family Hmm. thing on my family's part. It would have just been a me thing. And I think that would have made me feel even more alienated and the odd one out that I already So, no, I didn't want to. Yeah. I mean, that, one, I'm, I'm sorry that happened. And two, I think that, had to have been very difficult, especially as a young child going into your teenage years where that's really your formative oh, identity. Years, yeah. In my later teen years, when I was about 15 or 16, my family moved to sort of just outside Sydney where mm-hmm. there were literally no people of colour, none. Hmm. Um, I went to this school where I was horribly bullied and I was literally the only person of color in the entire school. And I think that was one of the worst years of my life. Oh, um, man. And it was so hard. Like, I have so much sympathy now whenever I see kids who are, you know, people of color. Yeah. Around, you know, who aren't around people that look like them. I just, yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry that you were bullied. And I mean, it definitely sounds like those years it was, this is something I want nothing to do with. But in our conversations offline, it did sound like there was a point where you were like, okay, I'd be willing to maybe like dip my toes into the water, like see what this first culture is all about. Yes. (laughs) And it's a super nerdy. Um, So (laughs) I was really, uh, I'm not going to say heavily because there wasn't a lot available on Australian TV before the internet, but I was really into anime. Hmm. when I was growing up um I loved Sailor Moon and I yeah I don't know I just really liked it and so when I left high school my then high school boyfriend and I you know he and I met in my last couple of years of school and Hmm. just such a lifesaver you know Hmm. he was kind of the first person in my entire life ever who I think ever accepted me Hmm. for who I was so that was that was a big deal to me but anyway so we We both joined this anime club at the university that we went to after high school. And, um, you know, he really got into the anime side of things. I sort of started getting over anime. I, you know, I started, you know, not loving it so much. But in doing that, we sort of met a bunch of people in the community who suddenly had so much interest in Japan and Asia in general. And yeah, 
as well as that, like the majority of people in this club were Asian of some sort. Mm. So, you know, I've got all these people of Asian descent as well as people who literally, who you know, have this legit fascination in Japan. And I was like, great, you know, this is cool. And then, you know, it kind of sank in. I was like, oh, well, hey, Korea's not that far from Japan. And yeah. I got, you know, I started getting asked if I was Japanese or, you know, yeah and when I said Korean people would actually think that was really cool and I was like Mm. um and so that was really when I started kind of looking into Korea I suppose I think I would have been about 19 yeah um and I started researching it k-pop then was a definite thing in Korea it was Mm. was in Korea it was not a thing in the Western world. Um, but this was also the period of time where you could download stuff on the internet and everything. So I was yeah. able to get my hands on all this K-pop. And suddenly I was just opened up to this world of this culture that I'd always been so ashamed of, even though I knew mm. only to find that it was this just this whole world that I didn't even really know existed and suddenly yeah. that, that sent me into finally seeing you know the culture that I came from yeah it was actually pretty cool and people liked it and I could be proud of it no that's awesome I love how it went from just something where you're like oh this is something I kind of like to like oh other people like this into oh people are like excited and and there's positive affirmation and emotions associated with the fact that I am from Asia specifically South Korea and so yeah yeah, that's really, really cool. With that, I think a lot of people who maybe aren't adopted are like, yeah, that's the experience. Like once you dip your toe into it, like it's a magical, happy fairy tale, right? And yes, and you, you just need that, that nudge. And while I'm super excited for you that your experience had that first positive interaction, I know that it doesn't always go that way every time. There was an incident that you talked about offline that I think would help give some insight to listeners, adoptees or not, of some of the other confronting experiences that might occur when we start embracing our first culture. Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so I mean, the one the one I mentioned when we were talking the other day was yeah. um, my, so, you know, same university. I, I later discovered had a Korean club and I was mm. like, what, this exists? Um, yeah. And so I, you know, I couldn't not join it. I just kind of felt like it was something I had to do. I think yeah. at this point I would have been maybe about just 20, it would have been just 21 if Anyway, so I went, I signed up. The first event they had was just a dinner. You kind of think, all right, no big deal. But I, I I confronted my social anxiety. I've always had really, really bad social anxiety, but I really confronted it this yeah. night and I forced myself to go. And first there was a couple of girls sitting at a desk outside the room that they'd booked and they asked for my name and I tried to give my Korean name and their response was, what? Mm. (laughs) Um, And that was my very first kind of taste of my really good Korean uh, pronunciation. Anyway, and then I just headed in. And so not only was there a room full of people that looked very similar to me, but they all spoke Korean. So, I mean, you know, Mm. some of them gave me, you know, a little smile here and there. 
but as soon as they realized I wasn't going to talk to them in Korean, I was just completely shunned. So I sat there, I said hi, or I tried to anyway, but it was so awkward. They just they just turned back to each other and kept talking Korean. At this point, I yeah. maybe knew five words and it was just so confronting. I think from my memory, I think I might have sat there for another 10 minutes or so. I don't like food hadn't even come out yet. Yeah. Um, and I just couldn't take it any longer so I just got up and left and yeah. I think left and I cried and said I wasn't going back and I never did yeah <laughs> and that was that was kind of it um it was it was so confronting it was horrible <laughs> yeah I think it was you know probably out of, out of all the situations that I could say were horrible looking different I'd almost say it was more horrible being what I felt to be rejected again mm. by the people I did look like. Yeah. Uh, I guess to a degree I could understand, you know, like white people's racism and, you know, comments and stupid things that people say. I could kind of understand because in, inside I'd be like, well, yeah, I know I'm different from you. Yeah. I'm going to do about it. Um, but to then get it from people that I did look like it was just so it was just devastating I I I don't know what else to say that was it I never went back (laughs) yeah 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 I I want to thank you for just sharing that honesty and vulnerability with the listeners and myself I am an open book with this stuff I feel like it was really taboo to talk about growing up my family never wanted to talk about it um it was like it was you know they just couldn't accept me for who I am so I'm just an open book I think it's important to talk about stuff um yeah yeah and I think it's it's good to mention that aspect of it because it's not going to be an easy walk in the park for everyone um that might be some people's experience and that's totally okay but on the other side the side that doesn't maybe get mentioned as much is the overwhelming emotions that take and some of our deeply rooted fears that might come to surface again if those interactions with people from our first culture or first you know our birth countries aren't accepting or welcoming and that can be a really big thing to overcome. It was so. it was definitely a big slap in the face. Yeah. And while I know you didn't go back to that place um, or that club, I think you said like 20 years now into the present. In that time, were there other instances where you felt the courage to re-engage with your first culture? So I went to Korea. My husband came with me. I think we went... Um, at the end of 2008, literally right after Christmas. Mm. Um, It was something I had to do. That incident with the club was always in the back of my head, so I was terrified, don't get me Mm. wrong. Yeah. But I had spent a good few years studying the language and I could get by. So I was kind of proud of myself once we got there. Yeah, that's awesome. Stuff And I could have basic conversations and everything. And as funny as it sounds, it actual Korea was nowhere near as bad as that club you know I mean you're not just in a little tiny room with a bunch of Koreans you're actually in the country so I mean nobody really no one really thinks to say anything I guess I think the main thing I guess I'll comment on is my husband is very white you don't get much whiter than him um 
<laughs> and he, at the time, I thought it was funny. But, uh, you know, looking back on it, it's almost, I'd say, kind of offensive. But he yeah. would, we'd just be walking along the street and he'd get offered free food, like from the old ladies at, you know, like street food carts yeah. and stuff. They loved him. Some of them, I remember, would just want to, you could tell, they just wanted to prostrate themselves at his feet and stuff because Koreans love Western culture and society and, you know, being pale and looking whiter and everything. So he'd kind of suddenly be treated like this God kind of thing and I'd just be ignored, which in a way was good. I, you know, I don't want to be pulled up again for being different, but yeah. I was literally just ignored. I didn't get any free food or anything. Um, But it was also kind of, I think there's also a bit of a stereotype there around uh, like Asian women being with white men. I often get a a little bit self-conscious about it because I know I look a lot younger than what I am and Mm. he's a lot older than what he is and he's white and Asian and stuff. So I do get a little bit self-conscious and I did then. But yeah. all in all, the trip was actually really good. Um, it wasn't actually as confronting as I thought it would be. I, I guess maybe I'd had years to prepare myself. Yeah. And, you know, it was a good experience. I'd love to go yeah. back. I haven't been yeah. back since, um, but I'd love to take my son hopefully in the next few years. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. I think even building up the courage to be like, okay, I'm willing to re-engage. I'm willing to have curiosity. I want to learn the language. I want to visit is huge. When you prior to that had an experience where you felt rejected once again by your country, your people, things like that. I guess I'll just say there was something I was thinking about just before you called. And that yeah. was, I think like, I mean, like you said, like getting back into it, like after that club experience, mm. I think the reason why I did and the reason why I spent so much time and effort learning the language was because ultimately I feel like it's just part of who I am. Yeah. Um, no matter what I do, I don't think people realize that our cultures are part of us as individuals and having been denied that from you know all of my upbringing I guess I just felt like and I still do I still feel like certain people don't really accept me for who I am entirely they just Mm -hmm. accept me to be who they want me to be and denying our culture and our own history I think is really offensive because it's, it's like saying you know we don't accept you for who you are yeah. We only want this part of you. We don't want the whole part of you. Hmm. Um, and I can't deal with that anymore. Adoptive parents or potentials listening to this, I, I just think that's really important. Yeah. No, I think accepting the whole person, their culture included, is huge and, and really important. And I know you mentioned before you are a mom and so you have a son and I guess like in regards to accepting your yourself and your whole culture, how are you introducing your son to your culture when it's something you're still learning about yourself? Uh, I mean, 
I don't do enough. Don't get me wrong. I think just in day-to-day life, it's just something you forget about so easily. But yeah. I, we try to at least do something for yeah. Korean holidays. Like Chuseok just went past. It's kind of like Korea's Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. we ate Korean food. Um, our probably closest friends here are also Korean as in like the mum is Korean. The dad yeah. is, he's Irish. Uh, and so my son's best friend is also half Korean. So cool. it actually hasn't been that bad because I just follow her lead. Yep. Yeah. I, just, I do what she does and she does less probably than what I want to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, generally I just, I follow her lead. So it's actually easier for me than it probably could be. Yeah. Um, my son and I took up Taekwondo together That's awesome. earlier this year um, and you know, now he's really proud that he can at least count to 10 in Korean. And, yeah. you know, he knows some Korean terms. He has always had some sort of possible, like, he's he's always known that he's part Korean because right. I've told him from the day he was born that yeah. that's what I am, so that's what he is. And yep. he's, he's very proud to be him, which I love. He loves, mm. you know, he'll often say something like, you know, I'm like this because, you know, I'm like you and daddy. I'm a mix of you and daddy. And I'll be yeah. like, yeah, isn't that great? So, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I don't really do enough. I try to do things for Korean holidays. Um, I'll randomly cook Korean food, but there's so much preparation and yep. stuff to Korean food and I don't like cooking. <laughs> so I generally do the easiest things possible. Yeah, that's okay. Um, Again, I, I'd love to do more. Um, yeah. Certainly at the end of the day, he knows who he is. And yeah. I love that. That's one of my top priorities in being a parent is to raise a child who not only knows who he is, but mm. loves himself. That's yeah. Good. There's a few things that I I just want to reiterate. I think there's something to say for adoptees who are raising their children and are trying to demonstrate and engage with their first culture while raising kids. There's such a big learning curve for adoptees themselves, even if parents did provide the resources they had growing up. I it's think it's not really the same. Yeah, it's just you're trying to learn things firsthanded while you're teaching it firsthanded, yeah. and that's hard. And so I think it there's is. It is. space for grace. Yeah. It, it is. Um, but like I said, it would be a lot harder if I didn't have this friend. That oh, yeah. I yep. am very grateful to her. So she will talk to relatives in Korea hmm. on the phone. And, you know, even just having my son being able to hear her doing that yeah. um, is important to me because obviously I can't. I, you know, I can't even remember any most of the Korean that I learned, which hmm. sucks. But yeah. I think language, it's really hard because unless you're using it every day, yeah. Like it's almost kind of pointless, which really sucks. But yeah. I'm just grateful that he can hear things like that. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. That's so awesome. She's made it a lot easier. That's good. That's good. Well, Alexis, I'm going to thank you for being on the podcast and no um, sharing your your experiences and your story and giving some insight to what that, yeah, no that's worries. been like for you. So thank yeah. you for being here. Well, thanks and, for having me. Yeah, um, of course. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on the Adoptee Voyages podcast. To continue supporting this resource for transracial adoptees, 
please consider making a financial donation at AdoptiVoyages.org. Stay connected by following Adoptive Voyages on Instagram and Facebook. And finally, join me next week for another Adoptive Voyages episode. Thank you.